Imagine one day you might be able to buy an entire business in a box, right? All the services already pre-integrated running as a, as a software. And in that scenario, you really are reducing your ops. Hello and welcome to the Capgemini Cloud Podcast in partnership with CIO. Today we're going to be discussing DevOps and a concept called NoOps, which basically means an IT environment with no need for a dedicated team to manage software in-house. And the question is, which one will be the future? So I'm Charlotte G, I'm contributing editor of CIO, and joining me today we have Ben Scoen, who is from the Cloud Platform team at Capgemini, and we have Stuart Bull, also from Capgemini, who is their VP of Global Cloud Services. Yes, it's an all-UK podcast, but please don't hold that against us. Um, hello, Ben. Hello, Stuart. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. How's it going? It's going well, actually. Yeah. I'm quite excited about being here today. Actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Well, I'm quite nervous as well. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's all going to be absolutely fine. Um, to, to kick off and definitely completely put you at ease, I'm going to put you on the spot and say, can I have a fun fact um, about yourself, Ben? Have you got anything up your sleeve? Well, my fun fact is that I, um, I write my own music and I would really love to just play one of my songs on the Jules Holland show. <laughs> and actually, I've started my journey to Jules. I'm going to play my first gig soon. Um, you know, I actually do my own stuff, so I'm quite excited about yeah. that. Journey to Jules can be the what the documentary is called. Exactly. Afterwards. Yeah. That's exactly Brilliant. it. Uh, what about you, Stuart? Uh, I play golf, and when I was 10 years old, I had... 17 shots on a par four which is terrible and then the hole after i managed to get a hole in one ah okay right so that means you it was really bad and then it was good yes okay okay just about i've just about got you i'm not i'm not a big the far uh, extreme yes okay i'm not i'm not i'm not a huge understander of golf but i am certain there'll be people listening to that who'll be uh probably having a bit of a chuckle um so as I mentioned at the top, we're going to be discussing DevOps and NoOps. Uh, a lot of organizations are obviously still getting started with DevOps, um, but some of them are kind of moving on to the next stage and they're automating even more of their underlying infrastructure to the extent where they don't require IT operations at all, potentially. At least that is how I understand what NoOps means. I'm sure you will explain if it isn't. Um, so I guess to kick off, um, Stuart, can you tell me what NoOps means to you? So my interpretation of the term is a, a goal of completely automating the deployment, monitoring and management of both applications and the underlying infrastructure. Uh, what about you then? Well, well, I agree with that as a general term. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a ridiculously overhyped term. I think I think that's, that's acknowledged. Then we'll, we'll talk a bit about how maybe you take advantage of it later. But I, I just think in order to just define it, so sure it's given us a definition of actually what NoOps says, but if we actually look at what DevOps says, I think it's quite interesting. So if you think of DevOps as the kind of offspring of the agile software development um, kind of um, way of building software, and it's split really into culture and tools, um, and what tools you need, what kind of culture you need. And the idea is that what you build, you end up running, and the idea you create a, a connection between software engineers building things and running it so that they they're insured to build something really good. And there's a, there's a concept of a sort of continuum there, you know, between continuous integration, continuous um, deployment, all the way up to um, to the idea that you use those processes, if you like, that, that approach to building things frequently, getting them into live and getting feedback from them to the point that the service you're actually building um, becomes, um, runs itself without needing any operations. That's the kind of theory anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds uh, 
like quite an ideal end state but obviously uh if, if we're going to play devil's advocate for some some listeners they might be thinking my company's not even started on devops so is is noops perhaps something that is just silly for me to even think of at this point what would you say to people that might be might be saying that Oh, I think it's a really good question. I mean, my, my, the short answer is, I think it is unrealistic. I think the amount of investment that you need to put in to build a service that just runs itself effectively with very little operations takes a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of you know expertise to actually do it. But where I think um, companies who are even advanced in DevOps, but you know maybe not so, can take advantage is if we take platform as a service. And in fact, a lot of people think of NoOps as platform as a service. What I mean by that is you can actually buy a system, a service, if you like, that already runs pretty much without any operations required. So if I give an example, a Lambda function in, 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 in Amazon or some sort of serverless um, function, if you think about it, and what is that? what that means is, so I could write a small piece of code say to do an insurance quote or something along those lines. And that insurance quote um, just needs to run really, really fast. And um, I can then put that on a service like Lambda and, and Amazon, and it will just run. And Amazon are responsible for making sure that runs. They're make, responsible for making sure that it, it scales, um, not me. So that is a good example, I think, where customers can take advantage of an existing service um, and effectively get a kind of no-ops approach going. I think I agree with Ben. I think the point around DevOps is obviously a starting point, but if you look at software as a service, that's probably by definition a really good example yeah. of no-ops, whereby there is no application development or maintenance or infrastructure support. So as a theoretical model, there's no operations within there. So I think to me, it's a target that companies should aim for. They should make architectural decisions around replacing applications and existing products, aiming towards minimizing the operational overhead. And what's actually quite interesting about that answer, so if you take both those concepts of reusing platform services and software services, you still have to integrate them together to work. So you still need operations at a higher level. You know, and that leads to really about the people we've got still need to exist because they need to run the service at a much higher level. Um, but yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, software services where this is all going. Um, imagine one day you might be able to buy an entire business in a box, right? All the services already pre-integrated, running as a as a software. And in that scenario, you really are reducing your ops. But today, many of our um, large enterprises have got a significant amount of legacy or traditional IT. Yep. and will do for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are the what are the sort of applications for NOP? So I'm trying to draw different types of companies into this conversation. They might all be at very, very different points. Um, but yeah, what, what sort of situations do you, do you see NOPs being, being, apart from in, in say Google or Facebook, Amazon, the, some of those those companies? So I think, I personally think if you, if you take um, the straight point of this one, the legacy systems, um, you're not going to be doing no ops with those, right? So you'll move them to the cloud and you'll have to put an operational model around them and run them. Um, if you're building new services, for example, imagine you're an insurance company and you want to do insurance quotes um, and you can you need to do this in, really fast because you want to make sure that your insurance quote gets up your compare.com, you know, when you do your when you do your Saturday morning insurance quote. You can really look at taking advantage of something that's stateless. You can build a very 
smoke self-contained calculation and then you can use as i say one of the services on the cloud to actually do that and what you're doing there is you're taking advantage of platform as a service and what you see if you look at some of the guys at netflix what they're now saying is they don't like the terminal ops because it's it, you know it's, it's it's a hype term personally i agree with that and actually what they're saying is no ops actually translates to PaaS platform as a service so Stuart's point there about software as a service being the end game, platform as a service is a way mm -hmm. that people who don't have large IT departments, who don't have a lot of time, can then take advantage of platform services, mm -hmm. which effectively gives them a very, very small operational cost. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that you've got to really look at the use cases. Legacy is definitely not no ops or you know, it's difficult to do it in that way. It will be all about your new business services and you've got to look for something that's small, stateless, um, something that can be, you know, it's a unit, if you like, of work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apart from the obvious sort of cost benefits, what other reasons could, could companies have to want to move towards this NOPS end state? Availability. Yeah. Um, which translates in, let's say, um, B2C or B2B in terms of transactions and business performance. Right. So if you've got uh, availability of a system and then quick response through automated operations ultimately should drive better business performance of your applications mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah ben would you, would you add anything else beyond availability and, and kind of reduce costs um i think it's going to give you speed to market um so it's all about doing something quickly it is definitely about all the things stuart said um my personal view is that we need to you need to think about your business as, as in its totality the reality is you're going to have many services on different things you're going to have to put an operationally around the whole of it mm -hmm. the idea that all of it can be self-healing and all just run without any operations people is is just not going to happen so i think that your advantage is all it, it comes down i don't think it's necessarily cost i think ultimately it fits in with bigger things it's about speed to market for me yeah. And I, I don't think it's a specific sector thing. I think it's like you said, Ben, newer applications or when you are refactoring existing applications, which are scalable, abstracted, in the cloud, mass use of automation for fast deployments. Looking at those, probably starting off with some simple use cases so you can build momentum rather than embarking on a very complex project. I presume if you if you were a company starting today, you probably would have a no ops approach, even if you didn't call it that or know what that meant. I, I'm not sure about that, and okay. and I'll and I'll, I'll this is my, this is my thinking. Um, if you take, for example, um, the big the big guys like Amazon, Netflix, and people are doing doing things at scale, yeah, who have got multiple customers, um, they have got the ability to invest a lot of money and a lot of time to build services that pretty much run themselves, yeah. If you're if you're if you're a private business or a public sector business and your job is say take tax or, or 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 banking services, you don't have the time or the number of customers in order to um, to actually warrant the investment required to create a service that just runs without anybody looking at it, right? Right. Because you know one of the key things we've got to understand here is that in order to create a service that runs itself without needing much interaction, that comes from DevOps, it comes from building something, get it to live, build something, run it, build something, run it. Doing that many, many times creates a service that runs itself. So the question is, how long do you, that's gonna take time, right? And it takes money to do that. So for me, um, I don't think it's, uh, I think if you're gonna go down the route of you want to minimize your operational costs, 
the only way for most companies is you need to buy the services. You need to buy that effective experience from the cloud providers who have already invested large amounts of money in this. Mm -hmm. um, and that you know, and that's that's what we're seeing. You'll still have to do some stuff yourself, but you know, I think it's very unlikely that most companies will end up um, producing services that just run without any interaction with an operations person. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stuart, we, we sort of talked a little bit about um, reskilling people and how it wouldn't necessarily mean that you would um, let people go, you'd just change the things that they're doing. Um, when you see companies that are kind of moving on from DevOps towards NOPS, how, what does that mean for the people that work in the IT operations team? So it's obviously evident that there'll be some operations positions that will disappear. Yeah, the, the number of resources needed to do certain activities will reduce, but also others will evolve. And we've already seen the impact through DevOps of large scale automation, minimizing the amount of manual interaction with systems. Mm -hmm. So that will continue um, and evolve as you then get into monitoring and management activities that are more automated. But there'll be oversight and there'll be what I will call system integration that will still need to remain. And if you think about the challenge of operations, while you will have a goal to minimize significant amounts of operational activities, you still would have monitoring, feedback, root cause analysis, remediation across a diverse range of interconnected systems. So you can see an emerging sort of trend or pattern around operational skills that will be needed mm. in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I have an analogy I like to use with this, and it's really, if you go back to the the time of, of the mills in the, the, the north of England, where they were, you know, they were they industrialised everything. The workers then were really worried about their jobs, right? Because all of a sudden the factories were coming in, they were building, you know, they were, they were manufacturing cloth in a, an automated way. Now, that didn't see a, a complete disintegration of our economy. It just meant we reinvested in people and they ended up doing higher level jobs. No ops is all about having actually a, de a re reduced dependency on really high skilled people, but then it leaves a problem with the people who are unskilled, who, who were traditionally doing those jobs. So it can solve two things. It can allow you to be less dependent on high, highly you know, experienced people because you need less of them to build your service and, and maintain it. Um, but you then need to take your existing operations team and and bring them up to, how are they gonna manage things in the cloud? How are they gonna manage things across Amazon and Google, right? How do you manage things when you move it into Alibaba in China, right? There is so many problems we need to solve on an ops level. Um, these guys and girls are gonna be brought on another journey and actually their jobs will become more interesting in my opinion. Mm. Um, and and, and it's, you know, it's really quite exciting if you think about it from that context. So I, so I really see it as, this is the same age old kind of Luddite was the term versus, you know, progressive kind of industrialization versus do it the same way thing we've seen play out through history. Um, and it's, it's, it's just that again. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, a lot of the time people forget that it's essentially talking about removing the boring and repetitive bits of your job. If I could automate those from my job, then I, I would, I would absolutely jump at the chance. So, so yeah, um, beyond, we sort of talked a little bit there about some of the, um, fear facts or I guess around jobs, but do you see any other barriers to, what other barriers are there out there to, to know what's becoming a reality? Availability of skills. Yes. To deliver a, a no-ops approach. What sort of skills uh, would 
would they be? So development skills linked to the application, the application architecture, and then the ability to automate and predict issues with systems. And it, it's very difficult. So it's very difficult to work out the different connotations, possible connotations of what could go wrong. And there will need to be some evolution in some of the associated tools and software to complement systems to allow this to happen. Yeah. Ben, what do, what do you think, apart from um, a shortage of skills, which seems to be pretty much endemic to the whole tech industry? Um, what, what else do you kind of see holding companies back from, from progressing on this? The number one I see is they're trying to build everything themselves. Right. Um, not everyone, but a lot of companies I see try and hire the, these. I mean, Google's coined the term site reliability engineering, which is all about um, what happens when you get software engineers and apply that to infrastructure, right? Um, I call them platform engineers. Um, sometimes you hear them being called DevOps engineers. Um, but whatever you call them, there's a shortage of them, as you said. To get rid of the shortage, stop building this stuff, right? There's loads of people already built it. So you've really got to take the jump and actually accept you're going to buy it. The key thing, though, you've got to think about is how can I buy these services and get, you know, get me ahead of the game without being locked into them? And that's really, that's, that's the kind of thing I do. I'm all about, so how do I take advantage of the cloud and all these wonderful services without building them, but at the same time give myself the ability to, to move cloud provider or move service afterwards? Yeah. And I think that's where that comes into. So sure, you need some really high skill people. You need, you need to do that, but you need to cut your dependency on them. And the way you do that is don't try and build everything from scratch. Yeah. I also think that there's a slight contradiction with DevOps because that's about release and speed to market if you put into that the need to then automate every management activity it could slow the release cycle yeah so i think you've got obviously skills you've got speed and complexity and how much should you apply to reach a proportion of no ops yeah, yeah i agree and, I, and one of the things we want to try i want to try and get across in this this podcast is really um you know don't one of the big anti-patterns I see as well is delegating responsibility to engineers for this, right? Engineers love building things. I'm an engineer background, right? You've got to, you've got to take control overall. So what I think Stuart and me are trying to do is, with you, Charlotte, is really, is, is actually think about this from a business perspective. How am I going to do this without, you know, in a holistic way, yeah? And and some of those things and dependencies are, 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 are true. So I, so I think that's really important that we get that across. This isn't we're not we're not here today to talk about Docker and all the different container technologies and all the different tools. Although right? I know you'd like to. Um, I love to talk about them, but that's that gets in the way of the actual problem of what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently we only have a couple minutes left, so I know it's it's been flying by. Um, so I'm gonna just ask if we can get a bit of inspiration. So which companies would you look at and say they're basically acing this? I mean, I think, you know, companies like Netflix, companies like, you know, I'm not going to name them, I'll let Stuart name some of them, but all the big guys who've got high volume business, B2C business, business to customer business, um, and B2B actually, um, they've got an imperative. If they had to employ all the people in the world to run all their services, sorry, if they were to do this manually, they'd have to employ all the people in the, in the world, you know, to do their services. Um, they don't have that luxury, so therefore they do have to automate everything. Mm. I think that's the, that's the key thing. So I agree with Ben. I think Netflix is a good example. Google's another example. They're typically huge web scale businesses. 
and you can take a number of things that they've done such as chaos engineering and site reliability engineering and they're all moving towards a no ops approach yeah so there's a lot of ip uh, we can look at from those organizations which are driving towards best practice in this area i have to ask what, what's chaos engineering that's a new one on me so chaos engineering is the ability to go and try and disrupt systems and break them yeah, yeah? and Basically, you can even do that in live where you can trigger a set of issues and then see how your systems behave, where you may lose uh, data centers or parts of the cloud oh. and how your system reacts to that. And see what it's called. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds quite punk. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. So I guess all that remains is to say thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Tune in for our next episode in two weeks where we compare born in the cloud companies versus established companies and discuss who is best set for success. Visit capgemini.com slash cloud to find out more.